0: is a blessing to you. Uh, I want to start tonight by having you stand and uh, I just like to open up especially on Wednesday nights with prayer Um, and let's let's just get our minds and our thoughts focused on the service and let's ask God to be with us tonight. They're having kids church upstairs we want God to anoint that session as well with our kids and so let's just pray together and welcome God's presence into the into the house tonight. Jesus we are so thankful for another opportunity to be here uh, on campus, in your presence, at Grace Church, Lord, it's it's 2022, and and we're we're moving forward. We're we are the church, Lord, and we're experiencing a move of God. I thank you for what you've already done this year to date, Lord, and I praise you in advance for what you will do, Lord. Be with us tonight, God. Anoint our minds and our hearts to receive your word. Anoint the session in kids' church tonight, Lord. Pour out your spirit on our kids, and Lord, we just pray that we will leave here closer to you and having touched the hem of your garment. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him some praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Smile at your neighbor. Tell him you're glad to see him on Wednesday night. A couple of things I want you to take note of. Of course, 21 days of sacrifice continues. It will go through January 23rd. Thank you for your faithfulness to that and for participating. Uh, I firmly believe that we, we don't do this to bribe God, it's not that kind of a thing, but I do believe God notices, and I do believe that he answers our sacrifice with an outpouring of his spirit. Also, on, uh, on the, Sunday, the Janu- uh, Sunday, January 23rd, please note that we'll be having a blood drive that Sunday, and you can sign up to donate over in Grand Central on your way out, and we ask you to be a part of that great cause. And then finally, and very importantly, I don't know if one announcement is more important than the other, but this one is important. Uh, You'll see a graphic on the screen. We have a very special announcement. Grace Church is going to be hosting a Holy Ghost Kids Crusade on February the 3rd. Now let me give you a little background on this. this. This Holy Ghost Crusade is part of an effort that is being done by the United Pentecostal Church National. This is coming out of St. Louis. And Grace Church has been asked to host the one in our region. How awesome is that? I love that. I love that we've been called on to host that. Um, I want you to note that I, I believe I've already said it, but in case I didn't, this is a Thursday night. So typically we have service on Wednesday. Sometimes we'll do something on Friday. This is very different. It's Thursday night at 7.30, February the 3rd. And this, of course, is because we're on their schedule, and host we're we're the host church, uh, just providing a forum for this. So, so that's what's going on. That's what's behind this. Now, your part in this, all parents, grandparents, we want you to get your kids here. Uh, we want them to experience an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This service, of course, is targeted to them. It's for them. Everything will be done with them in mind, and the ultimate end goal of the service will be to have them in the altars receiving the holy ghost we need them here we need you to bring your kids and so tell people invite them again this is regional i guess you could say it's south louisiana would be the best way to say it be a lot of churches here a lot of people we want to pack it out we can't really control how many people come from other churches but we can control who comes from our church Amen. I mean, in other words, we can show up. So please support this. I'm asking you to put it on your calendar. If you want to take your phone out right now and put it on your calendar, this is the one time I'll give you some permission to get your phone out in church. But please, please, please make a note of it. It'll continue to be posted on social media. And uh, this is going to be awesome for our kids. It really is. And we want to support it. Everybody say amen if you got it. Amen. Amen. Just before Pastor comes to teach Bible study, I want to share this with you uh, for a couple of reasons, mainly because it's from today's newspaper and I'm the one with the microphone, so it's pretty fresh and I have an opportunity to share it it with you while it's fresh. I really appreciated what Brother Holloway said Sunday uh, about how while it seems that our times are dark and there's a lot going on in terms of culture wars and all those things, there's no greater opportunity for the church. And there's no greater time for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost than right now. And I believe that. Brother Holloway said that. I believe it. I know you do too. Today I opened up the newspaper, Wall Street Journal. And on the front page, the very front page, this is headline front page, it mentions a world religion, a world denomination. I'm not going to call their name. It says that this, this group, this world religion, is losing ground in Latin America. And we're not gloating over that. We're not making a big deal over that. And it didn't—it caught my eye, but it didn't necessarily uh, strike a chord with me until I read the byline. Listen to the byline. I'm going to read it to you in full. Brazil is poised to become minority other religion as Pentecostals make big inroads in region. Pentecostals on the front page of the paper. Hey, it's not often that the secular media confirms what was said over the pulpit on Sunday, but it happened today. The article goes on to say that, it, that in general, uh, across the world, people are leaving denominational religion by the millions and turning to what they call Pentecostalism. Now, if you're like me, you wonder exactly what they mean by Pentecostalism, right? That term is, is thrown around a lot and it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Tucked way down in the article over on page A10. You got to turn the page to get to it. It says that Pentecostalism is an experience defined by speaking in other tongues and demonstrative physical worship. Now, I don't know all of the doctrinal stances of all the groups that are mentioned in the article. But speaking in tongues as the Holy Ghost gives the utterance sounds an awful lot like the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost to me. And the Bible says, in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What do you say we go ahead and have the revival that God is already pouring out all over the world? Oh, if you're ready for it, why don't you clap your hands to Jesus and claim it in the name of the Lord?
1: Thank the Lord. Great to see everybody tonight, as always, and uh, thank you for coming out to uh, Bible study on Wednesday night, great to see all of you on campus, and uh, we welcome you. Dave, Brother Dave announced uh, February the 3rd, Thursday night, uh, the Kids Crusade, uh, probably what we will do that week, I'll think about it a little more and probably have an, an announcement for sure Sunday, but we'll probably make that our Wednesday night service. So we probably will not have a Wednesday night Bible study that week. We'll just have church on Thursday the 3rd. So bottom line, you can't say that it's just too hard to come to two services in a row. So I'm going to take that justification for not being here away. Don't think because it's a kid's service that if you're older like me and you don't have kids at home or grandkids whatever at home that don't it doesn't mean you're you're not included we need to show our kids and our families with kids that we're supportive of them and we're praying for them we're behind them i'd love for our youth group to be here to help us work altars that night and uh so it's going to be a great great time and i'm very very excited about it uh i'm planning for lord willing uh brother dave just mentioned the article he read in the newspaper and it's literally a prelude into what i'm planning to preach to you this coming sunday morning lord willing um i've been working on it for a while and um i might be out of the box a little bit as far as pastor goes and may wear the evangelist hat uh this coming sunday to the best of my ability even though it's been many many years since i've worn that hat um but I believe God's preparing us for another huge event of Pentecost around our world. I cannot believe he just mentioned that. And I told him Sunday I'm planning to preach that Sunday. And uh, I'm planning to preach to you the journey to Pentecost again is my sermon title for this coming Sunday. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me about it. And uh, I want us to have a rip, snort time in the Holy Ghost here this coming Sunday amen I want to see God do amazing things and it's not over oh no it's not over thank the Lord and uh as far as tonight goes I've pre- I, I taught several weeks ago the standard of Christianity it took me two Wednesday nights to teach the standard of compensation which I finished up the second part of that last Wednesday night and uh, Tonight is, uh, as a a Bible study, a presentation. I'll probably preach it more than I teach it. Um, It's a presentation that needs to be made and one that we need to hear and that many, many people have said in in, in recent times past that we don't hear enough of it. I want to read tonight from Matthew chapter 24 and beginning with verse 26. Jesus speaking here said, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he that is the Messiah is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall it also be, so shall also the the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will be eagles there the eagles will be gathered together. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, he said, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about the standard of divine judgment the standard of divine judgment at at our house where we live now I never really noticed it until we moved to where we are now is it seems like there's hawks it's always circling around and uh, now that I think back I've seen them off and on for years but never really paid attention to it until recently Uh, especially living where we are now, and it's it's a big part of, of conversation from time to time. But just a day or so ago, uh, Joseph was with me and helping me retrieve garbage cans on our golf cart, and uh, it's got a roof over it, and he said, boy, Papa, look at that. And so I leaned over and looked up, and not much higher than this ceiling was a, a hawk swirling around over our our property and uh, probably the closest I've been to one uh, especially in flight and I got to take a good look at that and then I understand what he's there for Uh, they're looking for some little innocent critter that has made the mistake of coming out of hiding and they will swoop down in a second and they will kill that whatever it is their prey and they will take it off and that will be the end of that and Uh, I know the Watleys and the Tears have experienced the destruction of hawks, uh, particularly on their chickens. It's interesting to me in verse 28 that Jesus used this particular description to describe a time that is coming on this planet. I realize that he used the word eagles, and uh, but as we all know it's a it's a bird of prey, as are hawks and owls and and other things, falcons and whatnot. But in this particular case, he's not referring to an animal. It's not referring to a dead animal. When you study the scripture, one must keep this very important truth in mind. That it is a very strong, this this description that he gave is and was very a a, a part of Eastern culture. And it's very prominent in Eastern culture. Because of that being its origin, when Jesus said that, made that statement, he knew that the people would understand what he's talking about so our text tonight has very strong eastern cultural coloring if you will and it's best to under it's best understood and appreciated by those who live in the middle east (coughs) they tell us that no sooner is some sickly animal dead or some piece of carrion thrown out by the way that the vultures appear and most commentaries imply that the word eagle here is actually a vulture. There may not have been one single vulture visible in the hot blue sky a moment before, but taught by scent or by sight that their banquet is prepared, they come flocking from all corners of the heaven. They do. A hideous crowd gathered around their hideous meal, fighting with flapping wings and tearing the rotting flesh with their strong talons. With that word picture, Jesus tells us that wherever there is a rotting, dead society, a carcass, if you will, hopelessly corrupt and evil, down upon it as if drawn by some unerring attraction, will come the angels, the vultures of divine judgment. And to be sure, the words spoken in our text by Christ are not exhausted in their reference to the coming of the Lord uh, when He raptures His church out of here. And I will clarify tonight, because I'll I'll mention it later, that the rapture is not the second coming. There's the rapture of the church as for essentially the Gentile church, the second coming, will come seven years later after the tribulation period when He literally comes back to the earth to reveal Himself (coughs) to the Jewish people. In fact, there have been many comings of the Lord, if you will, many days of the Lord, which on a smaller scale have embodied the same principles as are to be displayed in a worldwide splendor and awfulness at the last judgment. The first thing in these words that we must realize is that they are to us a revelation of divine law that operates with unerring certainty throughout the course of the world's history. God can tell, God can tell when evil has become incurable. When the man or the country has become a carcass. There may be some semblance of life unseen by us or there may be death, all suspected by our shallow vision. But to be sure, so long as there is a possibility of amendment, the sentence against an evil work is rarely executed speedily. I want everyone to know here tonight that scripture assures us that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth. And for this reason, he is certainly willing to hold back on judgment. I am fascinated that Peter mentioned in one of his epistles, he said, when once in the building of the ark, the long-suffering of God waited. Now, To me, it's one thing to be patient, but to be long-suffering is a whole other level of patience and then to have that long suffering be paused or wait so god is willing to hold back his judgment if there's any shred or any detection of hope however when he sees that there's no longer it is no longer possible to restore or recover the man or the country God lets loose the flood of His divine judgment. As our text states, when the thing has become a carcass, when it's dead, when it's beyond repair, then the vultures, God's scavengers, if you will, they come and they clear it away from off the face of the earth. To illustrate my point, let me remind you of a few incidents of judgment that waited and waited and waited. But when it came, it was swift. When it did come, it was swift. So let me remind you of a few incidents of this swift judgment found in the Holy Scripture. In Genesis 6, after giving the inhabitants of the land, after they had some hundred or so years, to turn things around. In our timeline of what what have you of generations, that's possibly two to three generations that God gave these people time to turn their lifestyle, their conduct, their attitude, their posture, to turn it around. And when they didn't do it, when God reached a point and realized that it wasn't going to happen, when he had sufficiently distributed enough grace that we heard about this past Sunday. God wasted no time in destroying every living thing, every living creature on this earth, save those found in the ark of Noah. In Genesis 19, the Bible said God rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, And he overthrew those cities and the inhabitants of those cities. Even Jerusalem, the beautiful and blessed anointed Jerusalem, the house of bread, suffered the swift judgment of the Lord. For after God had pleaded with them by sending his prophets, who declared the great need for change, when they failed to obey, And then even after sending the Messiah, whom God's chosen people promptly turned against, the vultures of Rome came down and swept away the nation of Israel, only to be restored not too many years ago. Now consider with me in history how that Rome was crushed like a mosquito on the arm of a large man. When the Gothic tribes, led by a captain who correctly called himself the scourge of God, rose up against Rome, tearing Rome into fragments, much like vultures rip apart the flesh of a carcass with their strong beaks. To be sure, from the beginning of time, and with delays given possibility to repentance, restoration, and recovery, the standard of divine judgment is at work in our world today. There is a God that certainly judges nations and individuals. Though the wheels of God grind slowly, they grind nonetheless. And they grind exceeding small. The scripture said in one one place it would grind men to powder. As the scripture declares, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles or the vultures be gathered together. One can be sure as well that the godlessness and social sins of America today have caught us up in a vortex of violence and decadence that is quickly causing this great nation of ours, this great country, to fall victim to the condition of the carrion or the carcass. Look around. You don't have to look very far. There's drug addiction, alcoholism, immorality, perversion commercial dishonesty, heartless indifference shown to those hopeless and hurting, unthankfulness, rebellion, lying, slandering, adultery, idol worship. The list is endless of the horrible immorality, decadence, and sin that is being committed in this country on a daily basis. All are prevalent throughout society today, causing this great country of ours to be, if not dead, then certainly lying on its deathbed. We have reached the point, folks, where literally in our country today, in America today, evil is called good, and good is called evil. We've reached that place. Everybody said amen. So we no doubt have seen, and shall soon see, Another day of the Lord, just as our text declares. Unless we as a nation collectively fall on our faces before God in repentance. My one last hope is the church. I believe as long as the church is on this planet, it has the ability to push back darkness and also push back the judgment of God. I thank God for that. I don't think we all understand the power of the church God has a power source on this planet and it's called the church. It's called the Pentecostals. It's called the people who have been born again of water and spirit. And God possesses more power on this planet just through the church. I believe that tonight. I know that tonight. God has proven through the years, as long as the existence of the church is on this planet, there's a whole lot of stuff the devil cannot do. I want to say that again. As long as the church is in existence on this planet, there's a lot of things that the devil cannot do. <coughs> I have to smile when occasionally I read headlines in the news where it says the very liberal factions in our country are fighting against each other and they can't agree on their very liberal anti-God socialist agenda. They just can't agree enough in all the details I guess to just cause America to completely fall into it. I have to smile when I read those articles. You know what I What I think? I think it's just a praying church. Every time they get a little momentum, the church just throws a spoke in the, a stick in the spokes and just, just tumbles the whole thing. Just it all falls down and crumbles. I believe that. I believe that. As long as there is a church here, there's a lot of things that the devil is not going to be able to do. <laughs> Why do you think the devil is trying to destroy the church? He used to attack it from the outside. Now he's attacking it from the inside. But I still believe there's a bunch of people in this congregation that stood your ground, buddy. I prayed about that today. That you stood your ground and said, My family's not going down. My kids aren't going down. Not on my watch. As long as I can pray a prayer. As long as I can serve God another day. As long as I can pound on the doors of heaven. We're going to win. And we're going out of here as a powerful, victorious, anointed church of the living God. Hallelujah. So it is imperative that the church do our part to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, to keep the soul of society from rotting so bad and to drive away the vultures of judgment. (laughs) There's a lot of people I know in this area Whether they serve God, well, the ones I'm referring to doesn't. They need to get up every morning and say, I thank God for the church because they're buying me another day of mercy. They're buying me another day of grace. They're buying me another opportunity. They pray every day, every day, every day. I told somebody recently, we pray for you often. We pray for you often. We pray for you often. That God will just keep the church doors open. Keep the church here. So when you come, decide to come back to God, we're going to be here. And those doors are going to be open. There's going to be a seat for you. And certainly these altars are going to be open. It's the power of the church. And it's imperative that we still maintain our ground. And be the salt of the earth. And the light in a dark sinful world thank the Lord no you didn't come prepared for preaching tonight but this is where you need to be instant in season out of season everybody said amen thank the Lord so let me turn to another point as it relates to the standard of divine judgment (coughs) we have here also a law that has far more tremendous accomplishment in the future I'm talking about how that divine judgment causes the loftiness of men to be bowed down and the haughtiness of men to be made low. And the Lord alone exalted in that day, Isaiah 2.17. The days in which we live usher forth a certain sound declaring the day of the Lord. The newspaper article just verified that there's something happening in Central America. What newspaper was that in? Wall Street Street Journal. So the the, the infamous Wall Street Journal. They have acknowledged that there is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost going on in at least one part of this planet. But that preludes the day of judgment. (coughs) The days in which we live usher forth a certain sound declaring the days of the Lord. The day of the Lord in which sudden destruction shall be visited upon this earth. But also let us know It lets us know that the time of his coming is drawing near. It's drawing near. As we consider history and prophecy in light of current events, we can only conclude that soon and very soon we are going to see the king. Hallelujah. I was in a time of prayer today, and I just kind of prayed, and I don't always premeditate prayer. I just pray, just kind of like you communicate with everybody else. You don't always think about it first. And I, I, I told God that I don't want to be a hireling in the kingdom. I remember my first really good job out of high school. I went to work for an engineering company. It was very small. There's only, inside the office, there's only six or eight employees, if that many. Maybe five or six employees. And I'll never forget my first day of work. The owner of the company, the owner, came in and introduced himself to Hi, I'm Harry Barbé, and welcome to our company. I'll never forget it. He made me feel like a million bucks. We have people at our church at work at various plants, Exxon, and so forth. Let me ask you, have you ever met the owner? I met the owner where I used to work. Sure did. As a matter of fact, most of the engineering firms I worked for, I did meet the owner. Can you say that about your company? That you met the top dog. You met the guy where the buck stops. I met the honor. I was in a time of prayer today. And I told God, I don't want to be a hireling. I don't want to be considered an assistant manager. I don't even want to be, I don't, I don't want any titles like that. All I want to know is when I need to walk into the throne room of the King of Glory, I can. And I'm going to know you and you're going to know me. So this kingdom of God where I work, I know the owner of that kingdom too. And his name is Jesus. And I had a very long, serious conversation with him today. And I had one with him yesterday. Can anybody else here tonight say that? I hope there's somebody that talked to Jesus today, that talked to the owner of this company we work for, if you will. Hallelujah to God. I thank God to be a part of the church. But John said in one of his epistles that the day's going to come when we're going to be caught out of here and when we reach that golden portal, we're going to see Him as He is. And I can't wait for that day to come. And I don't believe it's going to be very long before Jesus throws back the curtain of time and ushers His bride into eternity. Then He will terminate the world's history as He judges all nations And all the people of those nations. That future judgment is distinctly a part of Christian revelation and Bible teaching. Jesus Christ is to come again in bodily form as He went away. And all men are to be judged by Him. We all know the verse that there's going to come a time when every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. That judgment is to be the destruction of opposing forces, the sweeping away of the carrion of immoral evil. Like a watchman on the wall, God has placed preachers in the pulpit for such a time as this. It behooves me to tell you that the day of the Lord will come upon us like labor pains upon a woman about to give birth, sudden and unexpected. She knows it's coming, but she don't know when. And it always hits at the most inopportune time. I know that there's a great temptation to put this message in the background of your mind. People don't want to hear this kind of teaching and preaching today. They do not. Most want to hear a preacher. They want the preacher to deliver a message of love and hope, not one of judgment. They want to hear about the infinite love that wraps all of mankind in its embrace. They want us to speak of a heavenly Father who hateth nothing that he hath made. Magnify the mercy and gentleness and tenderness of Christ but the standard of divine judgment is not in accordance with the tendencies of modern thought to be sure we serve a God of infinite love and matchless mercies but I cannot forget that there is such a thing as the terror of the Lord so God has sent me to this pulpit with a word of warning he will judge the unrighteous and he will cast them into an eternal lake of fire And if you're not ready for that that desperate day you will feel the force of his judgment please heed the warning of this watchman on the wall the standard of divine judgment is real don't let another day go by that you're not totally surrendered to God don't live another day without the Holy Ghost operating in your life don't let another opportunity like this one pass you by so in conclusion tonight as I put out the landing gear it's an unusual thing to say on Wednesday night Bible study. But nonetheless, that's what we're doing. You see, this is the uh, this is a law, the standard of divine law. This is a law that never needs to touch you and I. And neither do you need to know You just don't really need to know about it except that which you hear only because there's a way to escape the standard of divine judgment <laughs> i've said over and over that working for jesus May not pay that much here and may require some sacrifice and some discipline more than sacrifice, some discipline. But the retirement plan is out of this world. I don't plan to be a victim or a subject, if you will, when it comes to the standard of divine judgment. I plan to have already been raptured out of here. I heard a preacher say many years ago when I was a teenager, and I've never forgotten it. We're not escaping judgment. We're being judged right now. God's not going to take his church to heaven and then find out if it's okay or not. You're being judged right now, but you're being judged according to the law and dispensation of grace, and that's why it hurts me so bad when people want to take advantage of it and make it into something it's not. (coughs) So it's possible for you to go through all of your entire life either die or be raptured and never be touched or affected by this law is possible there is a way to escape it the true effect of this message is the effect that Paul himself attached to it when he said in the hearing of the Athenian wisdom the philosophers and scholars of Athens Greece in Acts 17 verse 30 he said in the times of this ignorance God winked at But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. So Jesus is our way of getting past or around this law. Jesus even said such things himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Paul went on to say to the church at Rome that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life is Christ Jesus. Hath made me free from the law of sin and death which is the law of judgment. So if we will trust in Christ, obey his commandments to be born of water and spirit, And then live according to his commandments. Live according to his commandments after that. We shall be quickened from the death of sin. And so shall not, we will not be the food for the vultures of his judgment. So wherever there is entire moral corruption, there is a final punishment. God has set a pattern for that in scripture many, many times. The poor Jews could never learn it. They could never learn it. They'd backslide, be taken captive. They'd cry and repent. God would deliver them, put them back in Israel, and then they'd, get, they'd do it again. The He's repeated the cycle, like some of us do in our generation. <clears throat> but wherever there is entire moral corruption, there's final punishment. Wherever there is partial corruption, there's remedial punishment. That means there's still life and there's still hope that a person can come to God. God, in his capacity as governor of the world and as the educator of mankind, is bound to destroy corruption. He is. It is necessary that the vulture should devour the carcass, lest it pollute the air and breed pestilence. However, the antithesis or the opposite of this is equally true. Where there is righteousness, God is bound to bless it and cause it to bless others. This is the power of the church. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Where there is righteousness, God is bound to bless it as much as God curses sin and destroys the corruption of the earth he blesses righteousness he blesses righteousness God is bound to bless it and will cause the church to be a blessing to others I think it was Noah and I were having a conversation several nights ago and he asked me Papa what do you think is going to happen when the rapture takes place, it was this past Saturday night after their quizzing tournament in Denham Springs. I said, You know what, now that you've mentioned that, because the restaurant we were eating at, there were several other people from that tournament that was there. Uh, some of them, I recognize their face, I know their names Sister Murphy and Casey knew them and whatnot. But I thought, you know, I told Noah, how cool would it be for the rapture to take place right now? Because there'd be about five or six tables that all that would be left there, I believe, is a pile of clothing. And other than that, there will be no clue as to what happened and where these people went. I believe tonight that the rapture is imminent. I know we've heard that all of our lives. But, buddy, if it was felt close back then, how much closer should it feel now? Amen. Amen. So I would encourage all of us here tonight To make a very pronounced and very firm decision. To make up our mind, as Joshua said in the Old Testament, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. So, And in that day when the vultures of judgment with their mighty black pinions are wheeling and circling around in the sky above ready to pounce upon their prey, the Lord will gather us as a hen doth her chickens under her wings and beneath his shadow shall we be safe. And I rest tonight on that hope. I wanna encourage everybody here tonight with all of my heart, I know this is probably more of a Sunday morning sermon, but I use it tonight as a Wednesday night Bible study. But I encourage you tonight, before you go to bed tonight, you talk to God. I do it every night I get in bed. God, if there's any sin I committed today, I am sorry. I want to be right with God. I wanna be right with God, no matter what it takes. I've come too far and I know far too much be lost and to fall prey to this horrible disease that's taken over our world called sin and corruption I want to be right with God how about you thank the Lord <laughs> thank the Lord let's give the Lord some praise tonight and thank you for his mercy and grace shall we? thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus I deeply appreciate all of you being here tonight wonderful group of folks here tonight Thank you so very much for coming. And I'll certainly look forward to seeing all of you Sunday morning. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus. And um, have a good night tonight. Thank the Lord.